everyone, and welcome to On the Preds with me, your host, Alex Doherty of A to Z Sports, and Sean Smith of On the Forecheck. Welcome in. We are ready to talk Preds, and man, the Predators are red hot. Winners of four straight, and five of six, I believe, and uh, just really doing doing a lot better than uh, than they were at, at a few points in the season. Um, we've got several games to recap, some, some pretty dramatic wins, some, some dominant wins, some feistiness from the team here and there. Uh, Sean, how's it going, man? Oh, man. So it's going pretty good. Doing a lot better than uh, Preds-wise than we were last time we talked. But I'll say this. I like what you've done the place. It looks, looks a lot better, <laughs> a little more festive. Does it? Yeah. I, I, okay, so I, 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 what I figured is that we would start slowly adding decorations. So... This is this is me just getting out the tree, and I threw some ornaments up on the tree. Okay. Next show, there'll be a few more. Okay. Uh, in fact, I guess we'll only have maybe one more show until actual Christmas actually happens. So. Yeah, I think right? we've uh, just started decorating a little late. That's fine. Don't worry. Next next show is going to be going to be intense in terms of the okay. decorations. <laughs> I um, hope so. But uh, you've been doing good. I know, I know you've had some 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 hockey with your your uh, your, your kids have played hockey are playing hockey yeah. now, right? Yeah, my son uh, he's he just turned seven, so he's playing an eight U mites, and uh, it's definitely interesting. You know, he's always played here at the house in the hallway. We call it hallway hockey, and in in his mind, he is the best hockey player. It's, it's <laughs> there's no comparison. So it was really fun to see him get out against some kids, and a lot of the kids have already played a season or two. So there's definitely a, a learning curve he's going to have to go through. But after we get sure. done recording, they're going to go do a scrimmage, and they'll pick teams this week. So it should be should be pretty exciting for him to actually feel like he's playing for real instead of just in the hallway. There you go. Uh, well, good good luck to him, and uh, I hope hope that as a, as a parent, it is uh, as much fun to watch your your kid play hockey as it is. Uh, this professional team that we that we follow probably more so probably more so I, a lot more buy-in literally uh, <laughs> so let's recap this uh, this particular week let's go all the way back to uh, to last Tuesday uh, the predators began their road trip that they're on right now uh, that they will finish tonight in New York uh, they began it in Detroit home of the Red Wings and also some apparently very sensitive fans. So Nashville started this game without Matthias Ekholm due to a non-COVID illness. No word on what it might have been. Most of us were suspecting the soup because of what had happened before. Yeah. Uh, UC Saros was also out. So David Riddick would get would start this game. He would actually end up starting two games in a row for the first time this season. Ryan Johansson gets a power play goal on the back door. Roman Yossi does his best Connor McDavid impression and makes it 2 nothing Preds in the first uh, Robbie Fabry gets a rebound in the second period to get Detroit on the board, but then Nick Cousins, big fan of the podcast, restores the two-goal lead for the Predators with a very nice backhander over Nedeljkovic. He got a little um, turnover in front of the net and then just just backhanded home. It was really, really pretty play. Uh, and then Ellie Tolvanen deflects the puck for his third goal of the season. He's heating up. NBA Jam. <laughs> Couple late goals that don't mean a whole lot, and then the Predators win five to two is the final. Uh, let's talk about this game really quick. Uh, Detroit Red Wings really aren't that bad of a team, to be honest. So it's not a, it's not a, it's not like it was a cakewalk. I mean, they're a pretty good team. What do you think about this game? You know, I was. It's one of those things that sneaks up on you and surprises you because this was a team we saw a lot last season, and they were 
kind of like a punching yeah. bag. And yeah. so I knew coming into the game, there was going to be a lot of, uh, I think I tried to steal myself for the fact that this was a better team. Um, well, I think a lot of fans are probably remembering last season and going, oh, this should be simple. But I, I feel like they went in and, and did a pretty solid job. And honestly, you know, you talk about Ellie Tolvin and heating up or you, you talk about uh, the Nick Cousins goal. And uh, you're starting to see, I think we talked before about the depth contributing a little bit more and seeing uh-huh. contributions out of people aside from just the guys on the top lines. I think you started to see that shine through a little bit in this game. Um, I was very happy to see it. Riddick, I mean, you know, it's kind of funny. I think we've seen a little more shuffling with goalies than, than we saw even last season, um, you know, due to various injuries, non-COVID-related illnesses, COVID-related illnesses. Um, yeah. But it's nice to see him come in and, and stand tall and have a solid game. Um, I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. I, I can't really complain about anything from this game. So, uh, yeah, it was it was a pretty pretty solid win. Um, the I, I don't I don't think um, uh, I'm, uh, let's let's save David Riddick for later because I, I have a theory or a thought on on him particularly okay. uh, as, it, as it relates to the the goaltending situation, especially for next year. Uh, but we can we can save that. Uh, I, the one thing that stood out from this particular game uh, to me was just it was the beginning of a really really good week for Roman Yossi where he yeah. makes that incredible goal. Uh, he got. I, I'll say this: he got a tad lucky on that on that um, on that goal in that he got a, a friendly deflection. So, like the 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 defender that he went around successfully poke checked the puck, but he poke checked it back into Roman Yossi's stick. Um, that it's it's impossible to ignore that factor. Uh, however, um, the amount of skill that Roman Yossi had to even make that whole play happen and then to finish it off in such a such a you know successful way um I, i'm taking nothing away from Roman yossi but i just want to just want to throw that out there and no, I, I, go ahead I'm, i was gonna say I, was, I think it was earlier that day I'd, I'd seen some uh some current norris predictions based on stats and, yeah. and numbers and advanced analytics and it roman yossi wasn't in the top five and i'd, I'd ask you know so we're and i was genuinely curious like based on the model, where does Yossi fall? And I got a response that he was, based on what they were looking at, it wasn't going to be very good. And one of those things where, you know, I I look at the advanced stats and the numbers as little as possible, but then I'm curious, you know, is what I'm seeing matching up with what the numbers are seeing? And the numbers were seeing that Yossi's not very good. Then he turns around and has this goal on Tuesday night. And I'm like, here's the great, here's the, here's the thing about those, those stats for the Norris they mean nothing for the Norris Trophy. Oh. Absolutely nothing. So, okay. like, I, I mean, I, 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 like yourself, I, well, probably like yourself, I look at the stats too. I look, I look, I look at not just the 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 box score stats, but like also the advanced stats, and I, I understand how they work. I understand their their place in the game, their predictive power of of success in the league. Um. The Norris Trophy is not even like no one looks at the, the the Norris Trophy voters do not look at the advanced stats. That's that's been clear for some time now, and it's it's going to come down to whoever has whoever's leading in points. That's what it was for Hedman. That's what it was for Carlson. That's what it was for Drew Doughty. That's what it was for uh, Dougie, um, not Dougie Hamilton, but uh, Mark Giordano when he won. Like it has nothing to do with the advanced stats. So like hmm. anyone who thinks 
that those are going to influence the Norris Trophy does not understand how that vote is going to be calculated. It's just like the Vezina, where it's wins and shutouts. If you got wins and shutouts, you're going to win. So what you're telling me is that Roman Yossi is not a bad player. Well, no, I, I actually I'm not saying that. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not saying that at all. I mean, I I think that, but what I'm saying is that for this arbitrary arbitrary vote on this on this particular award in which it is all about basically two stats, goals and assists for defensemen, uh, he is going to be a finalist and p- possibly win that trophy. Makes sense. Maybe, maybe actually what I'm saying is that nor that the, all the awards are are flawed in how they're awarded, which is except for except for the Stanley Cup and except for probably the Conn Smythe. Those are the two trophies that have a lot of meaning and are well earned. The other, excuse me, the other ones are generally a product of a, a system or mm. a particular player's you know luck that year. I don't know. That's probably that's probably unfair, but anyways. <laughs> You heard it here first. Do what? You heard it here first. Awards are based on luck. Alex Doherty of A to Z Sports. No. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Someone's going to come at me without that, but that's all right. Whatever. Um. So yeah, that 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 game was a a nice start to the road trip, but then they go to New York uh, to face the Islanders after Tuesday. The Preds trot over to New York to face Trots, their old boss, but their new enemy. We gotta love Trotsy, right? I mean, very Trotsy for that. Austin Zarnock Zarnick puts the Islanders up one nothing, but then just like on Tuesday, Ryan Johansson scores first for the Preds, one to one tap in goal. Uh, then a, another turnover, and the Preds break into transition, and the third line makes it happen. This particular goal looks like a carbon copy of a, another goal that happens. It's it, there was a trend happening here. We're gonna look at this yeah. goal later. Um, where the, the the fourth line, whatever you want to call it, the, the Trenin, um, Geno, and Sissons, and or um, forget the other person that played on that line. Um, Olivier Matt Luff. Matt Luff. Oh, Luff. Yeah, I think that's who played on it. Um, anyways, uh, that goal happens to make it uh, to make it two one. So uh, then Anders Lee gets a power play goal. Uh, really just out-muscled the penalty kill. That was a really nice goal by Anders Lee. I think he's a really underrated player. Uh, good good power forward. Good, Just all-around good player Anders Lee is. Really like him. Um, but then Noah Dobson makes it 3-2 to two New York. So, uh-oh, in the third period, the Predators are down a goal. Not so fast, my friend, because Jakob Trinan uh, bangs one home to tie the game, but even though Tanner Janot is the one that made that play because he, he used his speed to get around the outside – Jakob Trennan ties it, and then with 11.5 seconds left, Roman Yossi sends a shot on goal that Ellie Tolvanen tips home to give Nashville a 4-3 win, stealing the two points from New York Islanders with just 11 seconds left. So a uh, really impressive win there. Uh, dramatic finish to that one. That's, that's exactly what you want to see in a game that, that's, that is that tight. You don't want to see it go into overtime unless it's going to be, you know, something spectacular. You want to see it end in the last couple of seconds. Shut the door on them, not give them any, like, you know, 10 seconds. You know, I was listening to the radio the other day, and they said, oh, there's five seconds left in this game. That's plenty of time to get a, a play going, and that's true. But, you know, with 11 seconds left, chances are, for the most part, 
it's over. And that's, and I think that's what you wanted to see was let's, let's just take care of this during regulation and get out of town. Let's not go into overtime. Got a, got a game the next night. There's no reason to, to push it. So it was, it was nice to see that happen. And, and honestly, it was nice to see that happen to Ellie Tolvanen. And it's funny. I think we've talked about Tolvanen heating up, right? Uh, we've mm-hmm. talked about Tolvanen um, scoring, you know, these, these redirects and things like that. Uh, and I think people have started to get a little critical, like, well, it's not the kind of goal he should be scoring, but he's doing it enough that I think you can make an argument that he's doing it on purpose and it's something he's worked on. So uh, I'm happy scored, to see that happening. He has scored in four straight games. Um, he now has how many goals on the season? Does he have five? Yeah. Five, That's five cool. goals in, in, in 27 games, but uh, you know, five of those goals have come in the last like 10 games or whatever it was. Yeah. no, that's that's wrong. His first goal was earlier on in the season. His last four, game. last four games. Let's actually take a look at that tipped goal because I want to I want to okay. just uh, just take another look at it because it was a pretty pretty crazy tip here. So let's take a look at that um, go ahead goal with eleven point five seconds left. Dobson just throws the puck up the wall there. There was nobody there. That's a tough play at that point. Assuming somebody's there, but you can see. Uh, it's Matt Barzell coming back. He's just a little bit delayed. And then that's a tip by Ellie Tolvanen right in the high slot. You can see he did lead the. So one thing that's cool about that tip is, you know, normally you don't see tips from that high in, in the slot area. You normally you're a little closer. He was coming across the, the, the higher slot area because there was a just a forest of Islander players crowding the net. Um, and when that shot comes in, it's coming in pretty slow. I mean, like Roman Yossi is just kind of putting a wrist shot on, on net. Um, it, it just will never, it will never not impress me that, that, that they can do that so easily that they can tip, you know, 99% of the time they're going to get their stick on the puck and it's going to be redirected towards the net. Just such an impressive thing. Uh, it's just normally when you see them try to tip things home, they're, they're a little closer to the net. So when yeah. you tip that from what, 15 feet out, as opposed to like five, yeah. it's, just that much more impressive to me well it's all about angle and vision and i think that like you said it's it's never not going to be impressive to you that they're making contact with it but more than that it's it's the angle and the angle from five yeah. feet versus 15 is totally different and, and going, going to be going this way trying to tip yeah. a puck coming this way yeah with a stick that's angled and curved yeah yeah it's 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 just knowing it's knowing your equipment it's knowing what you've got what you need to do how you need to hold your hands like we talked about with that with that Forsberg goal in overtime the other week was, you know, how much time did he have to pick up that stick and get his hands positioned correctly and get into place before the puck was coming. It's not a lot of time. Mm-hmm. These are highly trained individuals who know what they're doing out there. And I, I think too, I mean, to say more about Tolvin and when we talked about him earning that spot on the team last season, a lot of it was talking about what he was doing away from the puck and, and how he'd learned in Milwaukee from Carl Taylor to, to do all of these things besides just shooting. And, and I think, you know, we've always said, we've said a lot this season that there's definitely been solid play from Tolvin and the goals just aren't coming. And, and now, like I think several people have predicted, I'm not going to name any names, those goals are coming. And yeah. and yeah, they're not all these, you know, snipes that you would expect to see, but they're, they're coming as the result of placement, positioning, and, and knowing what to do with your stick when the puck's coming. And that's that's just as good. They all look pretty in the on the scoreboard. You know what yeah. I mean? And, yeah, and John Hines talked about that after the game. I think that was after this game or maybe after the Devils game. But 
um, where he talked about <clears throat> that he's learning to score multiple ways in order to be a good goal scorer. You have to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, and then because, and we're talking about this in a second, he scored a very Ellie Tolvanen like goal in New Jersey where he yeah. just cranked one um, and his first power play goal. But we'll let, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go ahead and yeah. recap the, the New yes. Jersey game. That was the, the very next game. Um, some, some lineup shuffling because so UC Soros comes back in. He's back from like a kind of uh, whatever whatever happened with him. Uh, but then now Matt Duchesne and Colton Sissons are out. Undisclosed upper body injuries day to day. Doesn't seem to be too serious, but really we have no idea. We have no idea what it means. So it's the second night in a row that the Predators go down one to nothing. Uh, this time a Pavel Zaka scores. But then two minutes later, Philip Tomasino uh, gathers the puck around the outside, goes behind the net, and finds Roman Yossi in the circle wide open on the far side. Roman Yossi's wide open with the puck in the in the high slot. That's bad news for the for the goalie. He ties the game. Four minutes after that, I just mentioned it, Ellie Tolvanen cranks home his first power play goal of the season. Just an absolute rocket from the side of the power play that he scored a several goals last year. Um, and, uh, so they get a two, they have a two, one lead, excuse me, at the end of the second, uh, some predators thought that Jack Hughes took a dive. I'm sorry. At the end of the first, some predators thought that Jack Hughes took a dive and they took exception to it. And there was like this little fracas, uh, where PK Subban former predator was getting into it with some players who weren't even on the team when he was there. So it wasn't that big of a deal, but, um, that was kind of interesting. And I went and watched the play. I think it was a little bit of a dive. I didn't think it was too bad. I mean, I think he he got kind of hooked and he he went all the way down. I don't know. It it, it was I guess it was probably a dive, but no no worse than anything I've ever so seen. So you're saying it was a, a basketball dive, not a soccer dive? Definitely a bas- more basketball than soccer. Yeah, for sure. Okay. <laughs> um, but what that did was that opened up the game to be a lot more physical. Uh, after that, the thing just completely was. There was no scoring in the second period because uh, teams were – they were just trying to hurt each other out there. Um, tons of big hits, lots of jawing after the play and such. But then Jakob Trenin makes it 3-1, to one, another transition goal. And I, I'm telling you what, like this goal looked very similar to the one in New York uh, with, a, with one exception, um, just the way it kind of – some of the players on the ice were different, but it was very similar with to the one on, uh, on Thursday. Uh, so that made it 3-1. to one. The Devils made it three to two late, uh, and then because they pulled the goalie pretty early. Um, yeah. But then uh, Ryan Johansson gets a really key faceoff at the very end of the game. Five seconds left in the defensive zone, he wins it, pins it up against the boards, seals the win. Three to two, Predators win fourth straight W. Um, all right, let's talk about this New Jersey game. What'd you think? Uh, well, you know, first and foremost, it's it's exciting to see guys contributing like Yakov Trinan. Um, we talked a lot, I think, in our last episode about maybe the last couple of episodes about how most of the scoring was coming from the top two lines. Yeah. Um, so and it's not not to say that those lines weren't contributing anything, because we certainly know that that line has an identity. They have yeah. a role out there, but we also saw them score a lot last season. So it's it's kind of maybe this is a return to form. And, and we said, you know, if you can get the rest of the lineup hopping, then the team is going to do a lot better. And I, I think mm-hmm. this is a good example of exactly that. Um, I, I think Yakov Trenin, and I, I feel like we'll probably end up talking about him a lot, but 
I feel like going back to last season, we, one of the few times we had a chance to talk to him after the game, he made some comment that, that said something about, you know, you know, when you're playing this style of hockey or this is the way they want me to play or something like that, it kind of alludes to the fact that maybe he can do more than just be a very, you know, physical player. Maybe he's got some, some shooting talent, some scoring talent too, that we're not even really seeing. I saw yeah. that. I think I saw that in uh, in training camp earlier this year. And now you're starting to see, you know, maybe they're not all, you know, nasty snipes and things like that, but he's definitely getting to the right spots and knows where to go and is, is, you know, ready for that puck when it comes and can see things developing. So I, I think, you know, any indicator to me that this, this is a, a positive trend is a good one. So seeing that scoring coming from the lower lines is good for me. Um, I think maybe we should talk about one of the more interesting things that happened in the, the New Jersey game involves uh, Kyle Granlund um, getting into a scrap with Nico Kishier. So I um, believe that was the first fight for both of them. So that was really <laughs> wasn't much of a fight, but it was definitely yeah. a fight nonetheless. So I, yeah. I don't know. It, Finn on like Finn they, crime. Finn on Finn crime. And that's, you know, to me, that's that's surprising. Um, um, yeah, we could talk about that. I, I did want to stay on the, 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 the trend in transition thing for a second, because let's stay on it. Uh, I, I, I want to show the goal that he scored to make it three, one New Jersey, because to me, this, this indicates, you know, earlier on in the season, I think we talked about, you know, where's the strength of this predators team. I think this right here indicates one of the strengths of this predators team. And that is their counterattacking transition game that John Hines has been talking about ever since he got here. Yeah. That he wanted this to be part of their game because he wanted it to be a solid defensive structure first that capitalizes using their forwards in the transition. Instead of a five, five attack defense jumps up into the play, which is risky, as we saw with LaViolette. That's what he did. Uh, this is utilizing the forwards, creating the scoring in transition, capitalizing on turnovers and stuff in the neutral zone. Um, this is a good example of that. So let's show that goal real quick. Uh, this is from, uh, I think this is from, yeah, this is from New Jersey uh, to make it 3-1. Play under the stick. That allows them to come out with possession and speed. Yeah! Up right on the stick of Trenton on the rebound, but a clean exit out of their zone makes for that transition and then a smart shot off the pad for the rebound, AJ. Yeah, you know, and, and you look at this, we've been talking about this line, but they're usually with Colton Sissons, and that has been a fantastic line for this team, for Coach John Hines. Okay, so the, the big thing that I want to look at there, and I might actually show it again here in a second. The biggest thing that I see is, first of all, it's in transition, so if you notice, the Devils only have about three players back yet. I mean, the, the other two players on the Devils team are trailing the play. Yeah. So they're they're really not involved. I mean, they it, you know they, there's there's no way that they can change anything from happening unless the predators slow up the play. That's the first thing. The second thing is that when the when the puck comes back to um uh is um hang on let play under the stick that allows them to come out with possession and speed yeah! up right on the stick of Trenton on the rebound, but a clean exit out of their zone makes for that transition and then a smart shot off the pad for the rebound, AJ. Yeah, okay, so when it comes to Nick Cousins, so Nick Cousins collects the puck in the, at the top of the zone there. He has options. He can either send it 
he, and if you notice, he's looking up. He's either going to send it to whoever, whatever defenseman on the Predators is coming into the zone to get him to get a shot from the top of the of the zone, or he's going to send it on net to try to get a rebound. He chooses to send it on net to get a rebound, and that works and, and leads to a goal. But on Thursday against the Islanders, what did he do? It wasn't actually him. It was someone else. It was Sissons, I think. He sent it to the top of the zone. Who, fire, who that person fires it on net and gets a rebound. So, like, there's options. In the transition game, you want options, too. You don't just want speed and, and like, you know, quickness. You want you want options. You want to be able to both have the option to both send it on net to get a rebound or to have a pass that's going to create a better angle, all while the opposing team still is scrambling to even get back in the zone. And that, I think, is really what is, is a huge strength of this team. I and mean, there's been so many goals that look like that. Um, several this week, uh, but also previously. So, like, and, and and you're getting it from that line. You're getting it from the Duchesne Granlin Forsberg line. You're getting it from from everywhere. So it's really really good to see. I, I think. Well, it's not just good to see, but you you mentioned the the John Hines system, or the, the this was his plan from the start. And I think it's funny. You know, we've we've both been covering the team as long or longer than John Hines has been here. And so I think the the big conversation with him coming in was you know, how long before you think his system is in place? And I remember talking to Nick Benito, if it gives you any indication of how long ago it was, um, about that. And he said, oh, yeah, I think, you know, I think we're doing what he wants us to do. I think his system's fully in place and everything. And I, I, I'd have to disagree um, for once with Nick Benito and say that I don't think it was anywhere near um, yeah. what Heinz wanted. And I, I think you're just now starting to see what he wants starting to work out on the ice. And I think I asked, I asked John Hines, I don't remember which game it was after, but I asked him about, about Dan Hino. And I, I keep going back to this because I'm starting to hear a lot of what Dan Hino said the day he was hired being echoed by the players now after games. And it, it has to do with playing hard all night long, doing the little things, you know, when you, when you could choose very easily not to do so finishing your checks, going after every puck, making every loose puck a battle with the other team and eventually wearing their defenders down. And then you start to see the game open up at the end because their team's tired. And what's interesting is I remember him saying that because I said, you know, that's, that's a really great plan, but this is a team that we typically hadn't see give a lot of full 60 minute performances. Mm -hmm. So yeah. when you, when you hear guys after games make comments that say, you know, uh, you know, we finished our checks all night. We wore down their their D and opened things up at the end of the game. And you're seeing that happen night after night. That tells me that this assistant coach that's come in um, with with the intent of making that happen, it's taken some time, a little over a season. Well, maybe a full season if you think about the length of last season compared with how many games have been played in this season. But it's taken about a year, taken about a full <laughs> season to really get what he wants to have happen going for the team. And I think that's what you're starting to see work really well for them is that they're, they're committed to this being hard to play against situation that has been so often thrown around recently. And that's, that's where I think you're starting to see that change on the ice. You're starting to see the identity of the team, not just, not just change, but become that's who they are, not an identity they're trying to reach, but who the team is. Yeah, it, I, I think it's actually taken longer than a year in terms of games. He, it, this is uh, John Hines has now coached 111 games with the Predators, uh, and he actually has a 
586 win percentage. No, points percentage. Sorry, 586 points percentage. That's not as high as the Laviolette's was, uh, but that is higher than any t- – that's higher than, than Hines had at New Jersey. Uh, he has better players here. Um, but, I okay, so let me let – me, I'm, I'm going to add to what you just said because I think it's a good point. The, the two the two thing if you were to talk to Predators fans at the end of the Laviolette era, where the team was really struggling and what they were frustrated most about, I think here here's what they would probably say. They would say that the top players are not producing, and so in some way Laviolette has lost them. Guys like Ryan Johansson, Matthew Shane when he first got here, and they would say that defensively the team is like just a mess. That 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 they frequently were giving were leaving Pecorine or UC Saros out to dry that they were penalty kill was a mess that they couldn't they couldn't str- they str- struggled to keep good offenses off the board i think that those two things are we're starting to see under Hines are starting to be remedied like the defense looks better it's not great but it's it's it definitely looks better they're doing a better job of keeping Keeping players, uh, sorry, keeping uh, opposing offenses out of the way. Their penalty kill still needs work, but you know that that'll that'll come. And then the other big thing is the top players are producing, as we as I, as it says right above me, right here. The top players are making top plays. Ryan Johansson and Roman Yossi are are crushed it this week. Previous to that, Matt Duchesne and Philip Forsberg were crushing it. Mikhail Granlin has been crushing it all year, and we've been talking a lot about Jakob Trenin and and that line. I would consider those players top players because remember they were pretty much all of the offense, all of the team last year, late last year. That those guys are top players too. So like, they, they they no longer really have just role players. They have they have top players all over the place. Um, you still want to see more from someone like Matthias Ekholm. Maybe you need to see more from the bottom pair. Maybe you'd like to see more from uh, you know Ellie Tolvanen is one that we you still he scored in four straight games, but we we want to see that more consistently. There's still things to work on, but but I think that that if you're if you are not a fan of the Laviolette era at the end of it, especially, mm-hmm. I think you have to be hopeful with how the John Hines era has finally gotten started. I I agree a million percent, and I <laughs> I know I don't know why. Um, you know, it, it's it's been something that's frustrated me so much, but I feel like. I think people expected Heinz to come in and, and either yeah. for things to turn around immediately or for things to just go so badly that it was obvious that, you know, they needed to move on. And I right. you got to give a man some time to get things going. Yeah. And if you look at the situation he came into, I mean, if you really look at it, he takes over the team. You've got COVID. You've got the return to play. You've got the shortened season with the uh, only in-division play. Um no, no training camps, nothing. And this mm-hmm. is, this is what you're getting after one full training camp with a lot of turnover. Um, and you've got a younger team. And so these are guys that can come in and, and jump onto that style instead of hanging on to what was there before. Um, right. It drives me crazy when people want to, want to fire this man, because I feel like he hadn't really gotten a chance to get things going until now. And I think, like you said, if you weren't a fan of the way the Laviolette era ended, this is exactly what you wanted. Should yeah. be happy. You want you want a better defense. You want a winning team, and you want uh, um, your your the top players that are making all the money to 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 contribute. And they've been yeah. doing that for twenty five games now, twenty six games now. 
Um, speaking of contri uh, contributing, um, I just wanted to throw out some numbers here. So we got Ryan Johansson this week. Uh, Johansson had two goals and three assists in three games. Roman Yossi, two goals and four assists in, in, in three games. Uh, both those players have been just money this week. Uh, Roman Yossi, I threw out this this uh, information in, in, the, in the two games that he played against um, the Islanders and the Devils. Um, he skated for 47 minutes in, you know, 27 hours. He skated for 47 minutes. He was on the ice. When he was on the ice, the, sh the Predators had 56% of the shot attempts, which is great. And they had four goals and only gave up one. And, and so in 47 minutes, that guy was a more caliber defenseman. And there's a reason why I tracked that for the Islanders and the Devils. Do you know why? Do you have any guesses as to why I wanted to look at that specifically against the Islanders and the Devils? Any guesses? No, I have no guesses at all. Because one Mr. Adam Fox oh. plays against the Islanders and Devils all season long. And so I, what I was trying to do is I'm trying to build, I'm trying to build some, some, uh, some, some little nuggets here of Roman Yossi being at least as good, if not better than Adam Fox this year, because I have a feeling it's going to come down to those two. And I want to be able to say, well, look at Mr. Adam Fox playing against the devils and the Islanders. Well, he's built up a lot of stats. Well, here's what Roman Yossi did against those teams. So right. that's why I like that. That's smart. Yeah. Well, I, I actually had a, I actually had a guess, but that wasn't it. And I'm glad well, I didn't guess, guess I'm not going to say it out loud. It'll be too embarrassing. It's stupid. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, Tanner Janot and Jakob Trenin. Let's talk about them real quick. I got some more stats here. 68% okay. of their starts have come in the neutral zone and defensive zone. Now, real quick about zone starts. And this is something that always bothers me. People talk about zone starts and like <clears throat> as if it really has a whole lot of weight. It has some weight. It does not have a lot of weight because – the vast majority of a player's starts come on the fly. They don't come uh, on a whistle. So, so that's something. But when they do get started, and it has to do with their deployment, right? When they do get started uh, on a whistle, most of their starts, 68% of them come in the neutral zone or the defensive zone. So they're already up against it, right? Especially in the defensive yeah. zone. But they still, in all that time, have our plus one in goals at even strength. They've scored. They, they've been on ice for 10 goals. And they've only given up nine, and their expected goals and their like shot attempts and all that stuff are are just fine for what their defensive role it really is. So that that unit right there, and I, I say Geno uh, and Trenin only because Sissons has uh, been out. He was out the last game, and then it's been kind of it, it's mo it's mostly Geno, Trenin, and Sissons. But uh, that line has just been great. So, uh, but th that those two in tandem specifically, I, I think are you see them working together so much. I mean, like they they're when they're on the ice, they're working together so much. So. I just wanted to mention that. I like I like to think of them when they're on the ice together as just giant bookends on the ice. You know, like they're holding yeah. everything in. They they kind of control things between them. Um, mm -hmm. If that makes sense, I don't know that they're just they're very yeah. large people in general. But um, yeah. I feel like when they're on there, like everything from the sides is just kind of held in by those two. Nothing's getting by them on the boards uh, when they're out there. They're going to keep it all the either they're going to smash you against the boards or keep the play in the center of the ice. So there you um, go. That's how I look at it. Very cool. All right. Let's briefly talk about, uh, we have not given enough love to UC Soros this year. 
let me show this one save because I thought this was great. And and it's going to lead into a discussion actually about David Riddick, but, um, okay. and not, not a long discussion. I just want to show this mostly because we haven't showed a, a UC Soros highlight in a while and we need to do that. So we do, this was from the, uh, the devil's game. Uh, I think this is just such a good example of how good he is. And I know Sean, you and I have talked about this at, at predators games. I love watching this guy. I, when when I'm especially when I'm at the game, I find myself watching UC more than uh, the, the team when the, the rest of the team when when they're in the defensive zone because I just love watching how he tracks the puck. He's just so good at it. And I think this is a good example. I mean, this this puck goes literally from one side of the ice to the other, and he tracks it the whole way and makes the save. This is cool. And Saros is there in. In extra time. I mean, yeah. he's got time to burn here. Well, that's what we were talking about, too, before. It's just his... The, his uh... If you watch that play, and I might play it again here in a second, uh, his head is following the puck the whole way, and he tracks it and identifies where it is at the exact right time, and he makes that save with his blocker. That's not a very easy save. He makes that save with his blocker and then collects it in. Um, Normally, normally, what he what you would want to do with your blocker is to just block it away, right? But he right. he knows that he can't give up a rebound there, so he kind of collects it in. Uh, it kind of comes tight and almost sweeps through uh, in between, but he's got such good uh, positioning that he ha- he collects the puck so easily. So um, Soros has been great this year. He's just he's been so obviously their best goaltender. Um, Anything you wanted to add there about that play? Well, it's, that's just when you hear people talk about lateral movement. You know, if you if you ever wonder what lateral movement is, there's a textbook example right there. It's seeing it's that vision to see the puck, track it across the ice, and get from one side to the other without really losing your you know your positioning to where you're ready to make that play. Like the the announcer said, <laughs> uh, you know, made it with plenty of time to, and he made that look easy. That's not yeah. an easy save, but it looked easy to him because he was able to track the puck so easily and get where he needed to get as quickly as possible. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's all I've got, but yeah, that was, that was a great save. I knew exactly yeah. which one you were going to play too. You knew. Yeah. I mean, you just based good, yeah. on what you were saying, I was like, I think I know which one this is. Right, right, right. And, and I think, okay, so the, the, the major difference between him and Riddick, well, actually, the major difference between Saros and, and Rene, other than the size, is Rene was kind of not ever really known for his lateral movement. He was That was kind of how to beat him, was his, his lateral movement was just not as good because he's just a bigger guy. Right. I see the same thing with Riddick. Um, I, you know, he's, he's, he's a bigger dude. He's not, he's not, he's not Rene size, but he's bigger than Saros. Yeah, and I, I see kind of the same thing. I think he's not he's not as good laterally. Um, there have been a couple goals where he's not been quick to move. You know, he's not he's not looked like that. He's not been tracking the puck quite like that. He's he's okay, but I think my my point is this: I don't see David Riddick being on this team longer than this year. There was a there was a thought in my head when they signed him that you know if, uh, if Connor Ingram takes a little bit longer or if he struggles in the AHL. Uh, and if, if Askarov is not ready to come over, that maybe they signed Riddick beyond this year. I kind of just think Riddick is, is a, is a, he's a, a one, a one hit wonder for this team. Um, he'll, he'll have some starts. He'll probably start, I don't know, 20 games this year at this rate. He's, he's going to start like probably no more than 20 games. Yeah. Uh, and then he'll probably be gone. So I, I don't know what you think about that. Uh, you know, rate wise, I'm sure 
I'm sure a lot of the fact that it, the, the pace he's on is a little bit lower because Ingram just happened to be up um, or happened to come up because Riddick was sick um, and, and had yeah. to make a couple of starts. I'm sure that had more to do with the numbers than, you know, any like lack of faith or anything like that. But I, I still agree. You're probably looking at one season and I I'd say, and I think we've, I said this before somewhere, God knows I say things in a lot of places, but um <laughs> You know, I think the plan had to have been for Ingram to be the backup goalie this season. And I think going into the players' assistance program and getting the help he needed with that um, just made that timeline shift a little bit. Uh, he didn't get to play that much last season at all. And when he did, it was clear he needed to shake off some of the rust. But um, I think they wanted to make sure that he had a solid season under his belt in Milwaukee, that he could come in basically, you know, game ready and for whatever reason, they're like, you know, we're not there yet. We got to have somebody else just to make sure go do a season in Milwaukee and then we'll bring you up. And I don't know that that conversation happened, but I have to think that's what they're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably true. Um, and I'm not banging on Dave, Dave Riddick or anything. No, not at all. Guy, but like, I, I just, I don't, I don't see it <clears throat> beyond this year. Um, I, I think that if they were to be in a situation where he had to be the ace, he had to be the guy. I think that would be a bad situation. Speaking of ace, good transition. So there was some video that came out of the Predators post-game locker room situation. So um, they, they've done stuff like this before, and they and they've they have been somewhat coy about it in the past. Um, <clears throat> I remember there was a dog chain at one point. At one point, there was a, a boxing. There's a dog collar, right? Dog collar. There you go. Dog co- There's a wolf head. A wolf head, a dog collar. And then at one point there was a a, a boxing robe. I remember Philip Forsberg had a boxing yeah. robe on. Yeah. And he didn't explain. He, someone asked, I think, I can't remember who asked him. It might have been Adam. But it, someone asked him about it, and he said, no, we're just going to keep that in the locker room. Well, if you've seen the videos this week, the Predators have some sort of a post-game locker room celebration involving – a giant Ace of Hearts costume. Yeah. So it looks like the Ace of Hearts, and it's got it's like a sandwich board, like you see people wearing on the side of the road, advertising like yeah. a gold, uh, come buy, come sell us your gold thing, or like a Subway eat eat fresh, you know, whatever. Or the the uh, end of the world is nigh. Or 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 that, yeah, right, uh, exactly. So it looks like that, and uh, and it, but it's got a Predators logo in the middle of it. But it's the Ace of Hearts. And so uh, we've seen that. I think ya- Jakob Trenin got one. UC Soros got one. Did someone else get one? Who else got one? Ellie Tol- Tolvanen. Yeah, it was Tol- this week yeah. we saw Tolvanen, we saw Trenin, and we saw Soros get one. Yeah. And so I'll notice. Go ahead. I, I noticed, too, I just, you know, I, I try to pay attention to little details. But around the Predhead logo in the heart, it seems like there is a maybe the guitar pick logo with the player's number in it or something like that for each of the wins they have. So um, I'm assuming that whoever gets it gets to put their number on it just to kind of almost like, you know, Ohio oh. State Buckeye football helmet, you know, oh, um, okay. achievements we've had or something like that. So, OK, I think. So, yeah. Um, after the game, I guess it was last night uh, or Friday night, rather. Um 
Adam, I think I, I was ready to ask this question because I really wanted to know, but then Adam Adam beat me to the question. Uh, basically asked, you know, what's what's the deal with it? You know, what it, it seems to be some sort of a post game celebration, and Roman Yossi shut him down and said, "We're going to keep that in the locker room. It's a players' thing. It's uh, it's it's for our team. It, you know, we're, yeah. it's it's just something fun that we do, which makes sense. Of course, that's their that's perfectly their right." It doesn't seem to be anything other than a player of the game. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I'm on a team. We have a we have a fox head. We're the foxes, and so we have a fox head that we give. And you know, whoever has the fox head can give it to whoever else they want to for whatever reason. And yeah. we've never sat down and like really dive, dove into like what the fox head means and yeah. what could it what could it what could it symbolize. But naturally, because this is a, a professional team, we're going to try to do that. Uh, did you have any theories on what the Ace of Hearts? Why is it an Ace of Hearts specifically? Um, yeah, I, it was funny because when when Adam asked, Yossi did give a little, and he said it had. It, he said something about heart. It had to do with heart, and so uh -huh. I think you know it's who who played with heart or who had the, the heart of yeah. a champion or something like that. And it's kind of funny, you know. You talk about your team with the with the fox head. You know, I think we've seen a lot of these things around the league. The, the Kraken have. Uh, the uh, the Davy Jones hat from the Pirates of the Caribbean movie that they're okay. is it who is it that's that's one of the owners of the team that was it Bruckheimer is that who it is oh I don't, I don't know. know but he like it's the actual hat from the movie that he you know <laughs> donated for them to use uh, I saw cool. the Blackhawks had like a wrestle uh, a wrestling or a boxing title belt that they were handing out um, you know I think I think everybody has something like this and for the sure. most part it's it is something they want to keep. And I, I think, you know, it's funny, you know, they're, they're a team playing a sport. Granted, they're professionals. So they've got a lot of people watching and paying attention. And, you know, we report on everything. I, I remember several seasons ago, several seasons ago, uh, my wife was on the, uh, I don't know what the, whatever they, the event they had for ladies. I don't remember what it was called, but it was very yeah. stereotypical ladies event. And they it showed was like the locker heels room. and heels and hockey sticks or something, something like that. And yeah. uh, hockey, hockey and heels. And she, when yeah. she was, when she was in the locker room, they had just brought in Saros's gold pads for the first time. Oh. And she, she took a picture and was like, Hey, look at this. And that was, you know, I mean, this random thing that, you know, my wife noticed, she's like, Hey, I haven't seen these before. We put it on Twitter and it's like, Oh, gold pads. Oh, everybody's going crazy. But yeah. I think it's nice that they can have one little thing that they, they keep to themselves, you know, and yeah. I, I'll, I'll definitely afford them that as a member of the media. Like, you know what? It's fun. It's cool to see who's wearing it and who's wanted, but I don't need to know why. And I don't need to know what it means. It's just well, important I, okay. for them to have that. Yes, certainly. But because they didn't tell us, I think it's okay to speculate. And so okay. I'm going to speculate. And so okay. I have, some, I have, I have looked up something. It, this is in jest. I don't actually think this is what it means. Okay. But I went and looked up some symbology. So symbology, you know, the study of, of symbols, study of right. what do symbols mean. And specifically, the Ace of Hearts, and I'm going to read this from this website called metasymbology.com. The Ace of Hearts <laughs> means, so all aces, any kind of ace represents a wish or a desire. And specifically, the heart represents obviously love and relationships so the ace of hearts really means a desire to be loved so whoever gets the ace of hearts is just someone that needs to be loved in my that in, in my 
reading of what this means. Um, but it also here's the other part. That, that's that's the first part. And then there's this other part that says the ace is a number of the self and often translates into selfishness. Negatively expressed, the ace of heart will flirt and skirt around the object of their desire until they see what love can do for them. So <laughs> I think what that means is that the ace, if, because it's the ace of hearts, they are being, they, they are taking their self desire and expressing it for love as opposed to expressing it for themselves. So I think this means that it's a, it's a player that has, uh, that is, has not only has a desire to be loved, but also loves their, their teammates more than, more than, uh, more than themselves. That's what I think. Okay. All right. That's, that's definitely, that's definitely a theory. I, I like, <laughs> I like the way the first, the first concept there was, it reminded me of the, uh, like the buddy bench at an elementary school when you needed a friend and you had everybody to play with, you'd sit on the buddy bench and someone would yeah. come, Oh, you need to play with somebody. Come on, man. So I, I don't <laughs> know. Maybe that's. There's also this other part that says that ace of hearts have a gregarious and magnetic personality, which can attract many business opportunities. They always oh. want to look in the eyes of others and appreciate beauty while striving for self-improvement. They are creative but find it difficult to make choices in regards to work and health. All of that is about the Ace of Hearts. And I only read all that because they didn't tell us what it means. And so now we can speculate on what we think it means. I'm going I'm to say that if you look at, you know, the timing of the start of the season, um, high, high probability that, you know, there's the Spirit Halloween stores open and whatever recently closed down Electronic Express building. Um, that's nearby and people were shopping and they were like, Oh, Hey, this would be funny. That's yeah. my guess. I don't know. It's probably not as cool as your guess, but probably a good guess. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Let's talk about the week ahead. The predators tonight over oh, recording this on Sunday, they play the New York Rangers at 6 PM to finish up the road trip. And then they finally come back home. They play Tuesday against Calgary. Everyone's favorite Calgary flames on Tuesday at 7 PM. And then Thursday, in what I think is the biggest game of the year so far, they finally play the Colorado Avalanche, uh, 7 p.m. game. That's got to be the, that's going to be the toughest test. You know that, that that's going to be the test where we say, can this team actually pace with Colorado, who everyone thinks is a, a cup contender, who have not been playing particularly well. They've had they've been kind of injured and they've had some defensive issues, but um, goaltending is a question, I think, but. They're they're still Colorado. They've got they've got a ton of fire firepower. They're really good. So that's going to be a big test. Friday against and then the very next night they go to Chicago. So that's going to be tough to play that tough of a game and then go play a rival in Chicago. <clears throat> and then next Sunday, this is crazy to me. They play the stupid Carolina Hurricane again. They're not even four p.m. Cool. game. And I went and looked. This is the sixteenth. I'm not making this up. This is the sixteenth time. The Predators will have played the Cal- the Carolina Hurricanes in the calendar year 2021. That's a, that's crazy. 16 times. Oh my goodness. That's you know I, I don't know. let me say this and we'll talk about the Hurricanes momentarily. But you know, looking at that week, that's that's what five games in eight days. Yeah, three games on the road. I mean, that's that's intense. I mean, granted, a lot. You know, after after this game tonight on Sunday, they'll be home and they don't play on the road again until Friday. So at least there's a decent amount of home time, but 
that's a pretty intense schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, picking up Colorado, granted, you know, playing at home. Um, and we've talked a lot about, okay, so we need to see if the Preds can kind of roll through some of these weaker teams. So now you're looking at a really stout team and you want to see now that they've kind of shown that they can handle business when it comes to the, I would say, the, the you know, some of the teams that aren't as good as others. I don't want to say they're bad, but uh, when you're playing against a team that should be an easy win, they're winning. What happens when they come up against very, very stiff competition? Yeah. Um, that's that's what I want to see, you know, and I, I think we all want to see that. But then, yeah, the Hurricanes, come on. I mean, 16 yeah. times. And I know a lot of it has to do with the has to do with the playoffs too, but oh yeah. man, yeah. Six game in six games play a six game playoff with them. Yeah, yeah. The good news is I think that's the last time that is the last time that they will play them this year. And potentially for a very long Yay. time. So maybe Great. even like longer than a year because unless they were to met, meet them in the Stanley Cup final, uh, which would be crazy if that happened. <laughs> Uh, they wouldn't play them again until next season, and you know maybe the schedule works out to where it's like later in the season too. So potentially, okay. we're after Sunday, the Predators are done with the Carolina Hurricanes for a very long time, which would be great because I'm very tired of, of seeing that team again. Yeah. Um, and also, they have a bad record against them. They're four, eight, and three in those sixteen and fifteen games so far. That's not very good. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, that's going to do it. So we uh, that's the week ahead. Like you said, yeah, five games in eight days. That's a, that's going to be a, quite a big test for them this week. But the Predators are uh, they they're they're on a four game win streak and they're third in the Central. They've got it. They got a decent shot at getting some points out of these games. So you know we'll see what happens. You can check out all of our hockey coverage at a to z sportsnational.com. Please check out on the forecheck as well. Uh, read Sean and all the all the OTF people over there. Follow me on Twitter at AlexDarty1 and Sean on Twitter at SCSOTF. And we will see you next week. See ya.